Well, good morning. It's good to be with you again this morning as we come to the time for our sermon. And this morning we're finishing our series on the book of Galatians, which has been an interesting journey over the past seven weeks as we've looked at various parts of that book. It's been a challenging read at times, but hopefully it's been a time of learning and growth as well. And as we finish up this morning, let's just bow in prayer as we come to the sermon. Father God, we thank you for this book of Galatians. We thank you for what you've taught us through it. We thank you for the things that we've learned. And this morning, as we come to the end of that, we pray that you would help us to just be able to put the book into perspective. But more than that, that you would help us to be able to understand what it says to us today. And so, Father, as we think about rules and laws, as we think about freedom, as we think about walking with your spirit, we just pray, oh God, that you would help us to understand what you would be saying to us today. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're trying to summarize this book of Galatians, and I think it really can be summarized by one question, and that is, how do I please God? And so the question comes this morning, if in your life, how would you answer the question, what do I need to do to please God? I mean, maybe you've never asked the question just quite that way, but all of us have assumed that some sort of answer is there, that there must be some sort of rules that we obey, that there must be some kind of rules that, that are there, that if we just could keep them, we would please God. And the church has always had rules. Um, they all seem to revolve around either you can't or you must, but my mom, who just passed away a couple of months ago at age 98, grew up in this small prairie town. And she was part of the Mennonite church there, which I don't pick on, but they were a rule-based church back in the day. And they had rules about drinking. They had rules about smoking. They had rules about doing stuff on Sunday, what you could do, what you couldn't do. They had rules about what you could wear, what kind of clothes were appropriate. In fact, my mother in high school was thrown out of the church choir simply because she was wearing shorts at school to play softball. So there's all these rules that, that help us please God or maybe make us good. And we know that churches are good for these rules. Uh, in the 60s, in the heart of the hippie era, there was a church I'd read about that had this barber chair in the back. If a man with long hair got saved, a hippie came to church and you know during the Jesus people time, he would go to the front, he would give his life to Jesus, he would go to the back, he'd get that hair cut off, and then he'd be taken to the front, and only then would he be allowed to be baptized. And so it was this, this rule-making. Um, going back even further, when plumbing moved from outdoors to indoors, when we got running water, when we no longer had an outhouse on the back of the church property, but washrooms in the church, it was this, you want to do what in the house of the Lord? And rules became... Well, they were important. And you can say that today we've moved on from there. We don't have the rules that we had. And you're probably right. In fact, sometimes it feels we've gone too far, that we have no rules at all. But I imagine all of us still feel that there are rules that would make us better Christians. And there are rules that would make God love us more. And maybe there's simple things like if I just had a daily quiet time with God where I read his Bible, and preferably if I could read through that Bible in a year, and if I could pray for an hour every day, and if I went to church every Sunday, and if I went to a small group every week, and if I 
gave 10% of my income, surely those rules would help God love me more and would make me a better person. And it's that kind of stuff that Paul's addressing in this book to the Galatians. He writes this letter to this church because it's the first century version of all these rules. So what had happened was Paul had gone to this area and he had spoken to the Jewish people and had told them about Jesus the Messiah as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And they had believed and they had become followers of Jesus as Messiah. And they still kept their circumcision rules and they still kept their kosher eating habits and they still only ate with other believers because that was just part of who they were. And that was fine until Gentiles started getting to follow Jesus. And then they came into the church, but, but they weren't circumcised. And they didn't eat kosher. And they'd eat with anybody. And the two halves kind of had this thing, do we please God and do we become fully devoted followers of Jesus by obeying the rules or not? And that's exactly what this letter of Galatians was written to help them understand. In fact, it was a discussion that was in the church overall. In Acts chapter 15, we read about this worldwide church conference where they got everybody together to discuss, if you're going to be a Christian, do you have to be a good Jew and follow all these rules? And the decision was no. No, you don't have to. But in Galatia, there was still debate. They were still divided on that subject. And so Paul, as the apostle who had gone and started that church, writes them this letter. And in the first part of the letter, he defends the fact that he's an apostle, that he's heard from God. And he goes on to talk about how rules are not important, at least not these rules. And he's explaining how consistently he said, you don't have to be kosher. You don't have to be circumcised. You don't have to just eat with other Jewish believers. Now, because of sin, we do need to accept Jesus Christ and his offer of forgiveness. And we do need Jesus to have died for our sins so that we can have this relationship with God. But it's not about keeping the Old Testament laws. And so... Paul writes this letter, and because circumcision is the most visible part of this whole thing, he talks a lot about that, but it's not circumcision as a physical act. It's circumcision as a way of obeying laws. And Paul starts out by saying that if we choose to try to please God by obeying laws, like by getting circumcised, we better be able to keep the whole thing. And in Galatians 5, he says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Because, I declare, every man who lets himself be circumcised, he is obligated to obey the whole law. And what Paul was saying was that if forgiveness and God's blessing comes because we obey the law, we better obey the whole thing. You can't just cherry pick circumcision or kosher food. You got to obey the whole law. And the question came, well, why keep the law? And when Paul asked the Galatians that, they really answered with two answers. The first one was, this will please God. After accepting that Jesus had died for their sins, 
they really felt that they needed to do something to continue to earn God's uh, approval and his love. And so they said, this will please God. But the second thing they said was, well, it will also uh, help us in our own walk with God, that it will help control the sinful impulses. It will kind of stop us from sinning. We'll be so busy obeying the law, we won't have time to do that, in a sense. And then Paul comes in and he says, you know, I understand what you're saying, but you're wrong. Yeah, you need to have Jesus die for your sins. That's the foundational part of that. But our forgiveness is a free gift of God. He gives it graciously and freely. And the way we please God, Paul said, is not by obeying the rules. It's by walking with the Spirit. And in Galatians 5.25, he says, Since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And that's the, the theme of the sermon. And it's a theme, I think, of the second half of this letter to the Galatians, where he spent the first half saying, it's not about the law. And then they're saying, well, then what is it about? And he's saying it's about walking by the Spirit. It's interesting, the New Testament was written in Greek, which most of us don't understand, and none of us understand well. But, but the word walk occurs 47 times in the letters. And about 40 times, the New International Version, which is a translation that many of us use, translates it by anything but the word walk. It translates it by live or behave, and it sort of obscures the word. The English Standard Version, um, which is a little more literal, a little harder to read, but more accurate, uh, keeps that word as walk much more often. For example, in Colossians 1.10, we're going to look at this verse a couple of times. So um, in the ESV, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. But in the New International Version, it says that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And it translates walk to live a life. But, but the point behind that is 47 times in these letters, the Christian life is pictured as a walk. And I just find that to be a helpful thing. It's one thing to say, live a life worthy of God. It's another thing to say, walk in a manner worthy. Because I think what, what Paul is saying there is he's taking us back to this picture of a walk in the park, or maybe more accurately, a walk in the garden. And it takes us back to Adam and Eve before the sin that happened when they still had this wonderful relationship with God where it says, Adam and Eve heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And when the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, because I had sinned, in parenthesis, and I hid myself. And what Paul is calling us back to is this relationship with God that, that's like that walk in the cool of the evening with God. And so what Paul would say is, well, if you want to know how to please God, and you want to know how to have, find strength in temptation, you need to walk with God. You need to walk in step with the Spirit. And he says in a... In that verse, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. 
And I think Paul had said that before to the Galatians, and they had pushed back on him. And they had said, well, if you let go of the law, then everybody's just going to make their own rules. And everybody's just going to live ungodly lives. And everybody's going to not please God. And they're going to live lives of sin. And all their lusts and desires will just control their lives. And Paul says, no, no, no. In Galatians 5.16, he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And Paul says, no, to be free from the law doesn't mean you can do anything you want. It doesn't mean to be free to do anything we choose. To be free from focusing on the law and the rules allows us to keep in step with the Spirit. And here's where that verse in Colossians comes that we looked at for a second a moment ago. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And so Paul says the secret of pleasing God and living a good life is not obeying the rules. It's walking with the Spirit. And that probably raises the question in your mind, or at least it should, how do we walk by the Spirit? And Paul says... As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. And you're saying, wait a second. First you said walk by the Spirit. Now you're saying walk by a rule. It sounds like we're bringing the law back in. But that isn't exactly what Paul's saying. He's saying that, that we can have this rule of life. And throughout church history, people have had a rule of life. It, it's just a... A set of habits, maybe, that allow us to stay close to God and become more fruitful spiritually. It's this intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do, to walk with Him and keep in step with Him. And the way it was pictured was a trellis. If you're familiar with a trellis, a trellis is sort of that, that frame that something grows on. It could be roses, it could be... Uh, a vineyard, it could be grapes, it could be anything like that. It's what gets them off the ground and growing and becoming more fruitful and productive. So Don's folks lived in Surrey, in Vancouver, and Don's dad grew grapes. He'd lived in the same house for 40 years. And so he had these grape vines, and they grew all over the place. And Don's dad was sort of a free-range grape grower. Uh, he never pruned them, and he never had a trellis for them. And the end result was that they grew up onto the roof of the house. And then he had this like 100, 150 foot cedar tree there. And they grew up the tree. And the end result of that was most of his grapes were of poor quality because they were never pruned. Uh, but they were unreachable anyway because they were 150 feet up a cedar tree. And the idea of a trellis is that our lives are not this uncontrolled doing what we want, but there's a sense in which there's a framework for our Christian life that, that shapes us and makes us productive. And if you know your Gospels, you're maybe thinking in the back of your mind, doesn't Jesus say something about that? And he does, and it's in John chapter 15. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, my Father is the gardener, 
He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me you can do nothing. And I think that's what Paul is talking about if you want to change that picture of what does it mean to walk with the Spirit? It means to have some structures in our life that allow us to keep in step with God, to keep in step with His Spirit. That there's this place for the Spirit guiding us and enabling us to remain or abide in God so that His life actually flows through us. And there's also a place for rules of life, for pruning and for trellises, that gives shape to our growth. What does it look like? Well, it's, it's trying to figure out on a daily or weekly or monthly rhythm what things would help us in our relationship with God to keep in step with Him. Maybe there's stuff about reading the Bible. Maybe there's stuff about being quiet with Him and just listening. Maybe there's stuff about studying and learning. Maybe there's stuff about uh, taking a Sabbath of just taking a day where we're putting God first. Maybe it's simplicity, maybe it's playing, maybe it's uh, caring for our physical body, it's service and mission, it's emotional health. It's a lot of these things, kind of how do we do these things in a way that they don't become rules or laws, but they become structures upon which our life can, can really grow that we can keep in step with what God's doing through His Spirit. And the result of that, I think, is this wonderful kind of thing that if we kept in step with the Spirit, that verse again from Colossians 1.10, which I think summarizes this last part of Galatians, he says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And I just really quickly at the end of this see three results that would happen. If we were to create some structures in our life that aren't rules or laws, they're not things that we have to do in order to please God, but they're things that we can do that allow us to keep in step with God. I think three things would happen. The first is God would be glorified. God would be blessed. Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from their flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And it's that whole idea of pleasing the Spirit, of blessing God, of, of how do we please God in our lives. It's by keeping in step with His Spirit, by having these holy habits, if you want that allow us to hear God and to keep in step with Him. The second thing that will happen is that we'll bless others. And here's how Paul starts Galatians chapter 6. He says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So he's pulling together lots of those words there, uh, walking with the Spirit, uh, fulfilling the law. And, and the image there is someone who's walking in the Spirit, 
And the word behind this caught in sin is actually to slip or to stumble. And it's as if someone is, is walking the Christian walk and then something happens and, and they sort of lose, lose track of God for a moment. They, they stumble somehow in sin. And Paul says our job is to restore them. And the word behind that restore in the Greek is an interesting word. It means to repair. It uh, is used of James and John when Jesus is walking along the beach and he's trying to find disciples and he sees James and John. It says in Mark 1.19, he saw James and John in a boat preparing their nets. And the word preparing or repairing, that's the same word. It's also used to set bones. And the image is coming upon someone who has been walking with God, but somehow has slipped, like they've slipped on the ice and they've fallen and broken a hip or something. And we help them. We pick them up. We reset the bone, in a sense. And we help them and bear the burden and carry them a little bit as they get back to walking with God. That as we walk with God, we will have an impact on the hurt and the broken people in our community. We will have an impact on each other as we bear each other's burdens. And, and the third result is not only will it bless God, not only will it bless others, but it blesses us. And that verse again about sowing and reaping. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And when he talks about eternal life, we tend to put that off into the future. We tend to talk about, well, that'll be heaven. And it will. But it'll also be here on earth. And in Galatians 5, he's talked about the fruit of the Spirit. That we will bear fruit that will make a difference. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And if we had those things in our lives, wouldn't our lives be better? And isn't that some of what we're seeking in our life that we try to do through rules? And Paul is saying, no, this happens through walking by the Spirit. And walking by the Spirit happens as we have these disciplines in our lives, this trellis in our life, this rule of life that just helps us to hear God and to obey him. And so Paul says at the end of this, we are to walk in the spirit. And another word for walk is simply that word pilgrimage, that we are pilgrims with God. We are on this pilgrimage with God. And someone has said that a journey or a walk becomes a pilgrimage when we discover day by day that the distance traveled is less important than the experience gained. And Paul is saying to us, keep in step with the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Start the day with God to hear about where we're going today. When you're on a pilgrimage, that's the way you do it. You're never sure how far you're going to get. You're never sure where you're going to spend that night. As Don and I have walked pilgrimage through Spain, uh, you're not sure where you're going exactly. You know the end destination, and you know you're going to walk today. You're going to meet people. You're going to uh, be in certain circumstances. You don't know what it is. You don't know where you're spending the night necessarily, but you know it will be provided. And the important thing is just to experience the walk through the day. And Paul says, you know, that's what we're looking at. It's not this Christian life about obeying laws 
in order to please God and become good. Paul steered away from that. He said, no, it's not that there's all these things you must and can't and have to. He's saying, you know, what you need to do is just keep in step with the Spirit. Just hear God's voice whispering in your ear. Just walk with Him as Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the evening. And in order to keep in step, you're probably going to need some discipline, some habits, some trellis upon which to build some things that allow us to keep in step with Him. And what we're feeling our way towards is this trellis, this idea of that we need a structure, that we probably need some pruning, that, that God is at work in our lives, that we do need structures in our lives to grow. What we don't need are rules and laws that become more important than God. And at the heart of all this is just simply helping us into a rhythm of pausing and walking. Pausing, like Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha was busy doing stuff. Lazarus was distracted by stuff, but Mary was sitting at the feet, pausing with Jesus. And that's the first thing in this uh, keeping in step with the Spirit is sometimes the Spirit is pausing and we pause with Him, especially at the start of the day. But then keeping in step with the Spirit, walking along with Him, seeing life through His eyes. It's that picture of the Good Samaritan on that road from Jericho to Jerusalem, and he sees this man that's been attacked by robbers, and he's stumbled and fallen, and he picks him up, and he carries his burden, and he walks side by side with him and restores him. And Paul says, if you're trying to figure out what it means to be a Christian, well, it starts with beginning that relationship with Jesus Christ, of admitting that we're sinners, that need God's forgiveness, that Jesus died for our sins and we can have a relationship with him. But then it's entering into this process of walking with his spirit from there. This rhythm of pausing and walking. This rhythm of walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, as Paul says. This keeping in step with the spirit. And... In summary of this whole book of Galatians, the Galatians thought that what was important was there were these important rules, and as long as we kept the rules, nothing else mattered. And Paul said, no, no, the rules, of that's for a past day. What he said is now it's important to keep in step with the Spirit. And there are habits and there are things we will still do, but we don't see them as rules. We don't see them as laws. We see them as simply walking with God, of simply keeping in step with His Spirit, of pausing when the Spirit pauses and walking when the Spirit walks, of spending time in quiet with God, of going through our days, of seeing our day through God's eyes, of finding that person perhaps as the Good Samaritan did, who we can come alongside of and build up of walking with God. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Galatians says. Keep in step with the Spirit. And Father God, we pray that for ourselves today as we come to the end of this powerful letter that Paul wrote.
Father, we thank you for giving us Jesus Christ and forgiveness and relationship with you. But thank you for also giving us your Holy Spirit. Help us to keep in step with him. Help us to walk with you that we may live and bring you glory, that others may be blessed, and that we may find the depth of life that you have for us. And we thank you for all this in Jesus' name. Amen.